I'm on the ride of a lifetime. I'm on a ship that's sailing to uncharted shore, and I won't be coming back here. from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah. This is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets biblical Christianity face-to-face. -face. I'm your host, Sean McCraney. Actually, I'm not the host anymore. I arrived here tonight. Dawson here, he told me he's going to host the show from this point forward. He says, I'm out of a job. Get out of there. Dawson, look over there at Derek. There's the camera. Now, Dawson, how are you? Pretty good? Yeah, good. He has, a, he has a plastic baggie full of toys here, and he, he's here with his mom. Is there anything that you want to say to the audience? Mm. Hi, He said, Heart of the Matter is his favorite show. <laughs> you respect me for my intellect and uh, keen sense of humor. Dawson is great. He has beautiful red hair, and it's so good to have Dawson on the show. And he wanted to say, you want to say, I love my mom. My mom. And Jesus. Jesus. He loves his mom and Jesus. So, round of applause for Dawson. Uh, we praise the true and living God for being part of this uh, ministry of his. May he be with you and us tonight. We are witnessing amazing stuff happening in the events uh, relative to Mormonism in the history of its uh, existence. So much happening. Uh, we pray the LDS will walk from uh, everything that is of man and walk toward everything that is of God. We're going to talk more about that tonight. In fact, we're going to do kind of an interesting show tonight. I had a whole thing uh, planned relative to the Book of Mormon, but uh, as I was watching uh, Bishop Earl interview for the X-Files, uh, we interviewed three people, he interviewed three people today, I just had this overwhelming thing, uh, feeling to just get rid of the uh, notes for tonight and talk about some of the current pressing issues that are coming. So we're going to open up the phone lines right now. And uh, we're gonna, we're, we said anybody can call in. Anybody. First time, second time, whoever you are with whatever you're going to say. But we're going to be quick. We're going to move through if you call. And, uh, and in the meantime, we're going to fill in the gaps with some pressing, interesting stuff that is in the uh, news today. So Every Sunday, we hold Church Deconstructed, 10 a.m. Uh, we gather at the University of Utah, and 2.30 p.m., 10 a.m., we call milk, 2.30, meet. Uh, we study the Word, we sing the Word, and then we get out of Dodge. Uh, child care is provided. You want more information, go to www.campus.com, uh, and there's hyphens between those letters. Also on Sundays, you can hear replays of Heart of the Matter 
on AM820, The Truth. It's a great radio station here in Utah, Salt Lake City area, actually uh, Ogden and even up into Cache Valley. And uh, they play great uh, Christian programming, so check them out, AM820, The Truth, especially on Sundays from 1 to 2 p.m. as they re-air uh, Heart of the Matter. Aletheia Ministries, as I mentioned, is uh, producing a brand new television program called The X-Files. It's hosted by Bishop Earl, and, we begin to, and we're going to begin airing this Friday night, uh, February 3rd, 8 p.m., right here on TV20. Take a look. I can't tell you how important these testimonies are that we're gathering uh, from people who were once LDS but have now come out of Mormonism and into a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Bishop Earl does a great job of interviewing them and facilitating uh, discussion and letting these people share their stories. You're, uh, by watching them, you're going to find that they will inspire you. They'll... Uh, They'll inform you and they'll open you up to uh, seeing things in a new way. We need people who were once LDS and who are uh, uh, born-again Christians now. If you're interested, go to www.exmormonfiles.tv and sign up. We'll be in touch with you. All right, we offer a number of products through Aletheia Ministries. Uh, three books, I was a born-again Mormon. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight. And where Mormonism meets biblical Christianity face-to-face, -face, an A to Z doctrinal comparative. You can get all of them by going to www.hotm.tv and at Lifeway Christian Bookstore in Murray. Um, you can also go to that same website of ours and see videos, uh, videotapes that we also uh, provide for people. Want to see what the White House will look like if, a, uh, if the United States puts a Latter-day Saint into office? Take a look. <laughs> Nothing's ready tonight. Nothing is ready. It's okay. We're off the schedule a little bit. Listen to this. Glenn from Idaho sent this in. It's an op-ed piece from the Idaho Enterprise, a small newspaper in the state of Idaho. What was the title? What makes a good first lady and president? It says, what kind of first lady of our nation will blank's third wife make? What kind of an example will it make to our daughters? She can have an adulterous affair with a married man and still be the first lady of our nation. We, all capitals, don't need another womanizing president like Kennedy and Clinton's were enough. We need a president who can kneel by his own bed in the White House and pray to our Heavenly Father to bless him and our nation, signed Charlene Jones. In response to this ever-interesting uh, topic that Charlene sent in. I sent in my own op-ed piece to the uh, Idaho Enterprise. I don't know if they're going to print it. I wrote, I wrote exactly, Charlene. Well said. And while we're on the topic, can we trust a first lady or president to serve our great nation who not only believes God was once a man, but that he or she will become a God too? Can we rely on the prayers of a president who swore blood oaths of total allegiance to the building up of his own religion over everything and everybody else? who swears total unobstructed devotion to a man they call the prophet, who not only uh, comes from direct polygamous families, but believes polygamous marriage is an eternal principle, 
who believes that black people were inferior in a mythical pre-existence and that his or her church will someday govern the world? We'll see uh, if they print it, and if they do, we'll let you know. All right. How about a moment from the Word? In a slight detour from our weekly travels of traveling through the Word and John right now, I'm going to use our time tonight to plainly address the relentless and insipid claim that, ready, Jesus never picked on other religions or people of other religions. I was sent this article which came from the LDS-owned KSL.com on January 25th. It reads, Provo, hyphen, a prominent figure in evangelical politics has a message for fellow Christians. You can't attack those whose views are different than yours and call yourself a Christian, end quote. Mark DeMoss runs a public relations firm that specializes in Christian organizations. He's also an advisor to GOP President hopeful Mitt Romney. While speaking at BYU in Provo Tuesday, he told students, quote, true followers of Christ don't spend time demonizing others with their speech. He referenced people attacking both Romney and President Barack Obama over their religion. The subject is a passion of mine, he said. I'll continue to talk about and write about it, pushing for more civility in the public square. DeMoss earlier told KSL Radio he tried to persuade lawmakers to sign a civility pledge, but only three of nearly 600 signed it. The Deseret News reports DeMoss began the civility project in 2009 after becoming disillusioned with how Mormons were treated by evangelicals and those who opposed their position on marriage. DeMoss also objected to the tone with which many on the right attacked Barack Obama. DeMoss and Civility Project co-founder Lanny Davis dissolved the project after only two years. I wonder why. Maybe it's because DeMoss, though he calls himself an evangelical Christian, does not read the Bible contextually. I mean, this guy said, at B while at BYU and as an advisor to a Mormon presidential candidate, how far afield can you get? He said, you can't attack those whose views are different than yours and call yourself a Christian. This is where we're coming to now. That you cannot attack, you can't even question, you can't even suggest that somebody's not what they claim to be uh, it, just by virtue of civility, okay? So let's go to the founder of Christianity who and... and, and uh, See what he said to those people who were around him when he was alive and on earth. When a man in Matthew 8.22 wanted to bury his dead father before following Jesus, Jesus said these kind words, let the dead bury their dead. That was Matthew 8.22. Our Lord said to his believers that they were sheep among wolves, not a uh, positive comment. In Matthew 12, he called the Jews before him a generation of vipers. He called religious people hypocrites in Matthew 15, 7 through 9. He said that the blind were leading the blind in Matthew 15, 34. He referred to a Gentile woman as a dog in Matthew 15, 36. He called Peter Satan himself in Matthew 16, 32. He told the religious rulers that their father was the devil in John 8, 43 through 44. 
He described anyone who tried to enter the kingdom of God in any other way besides through him as robbers and thieves. Let me end this diatribe by reading uh, chapter 23 of Matthew, beginning at verse 13, for Mr. DeMoss specifically, and all other Christian sellouts out there who are just like him. Our Lord, the founder of Christianity, Mr. Moss, said this to a gathering of religious men. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you devour widows' houses for a pretense, make long prayer, therefore you shall receive greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, you make him twofold more of the child of hell than yourselves. Woe unto you, blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. You fools and blind, he goes on and calls them. You fools and blind, he says again. For whether is greater the gift of the altar that sanctifieth the gift? Verse 23, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He talks about how they pay their tithing. You blind guides would strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Verse 25, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within you are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which uh, is within the cup and platter, that the outside may be clean as well. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are like whited sepulchers, which are indeed, you appear beautiful outward, but within you are full of dead men's dried bones. Um, we, we have entered into a phase. It is enormously complex. We have people who are saying they're Christian, who are in a Christian church, who teach opposite of what Christianity teaches in the Bible. We have Mormons who say they're not. We have Mormons who say they are. We have people who are running for office of these different faiths. I mean, the culminating, uh, uh, swirling about of all this stuff is really getting absolutely frenetic. And we're starting to see things just kind of pull apart. It's all indicative of times as they wane toward the end. But hang on to your hats as we move forward. Okay, so with that, let's uh, open up the phone lines. Uh, 801-973-8820, 801-973-TV20. First time callers, if possible. LDF, LDS callers, if possible. But if you're not, go ahead and call tonight. It's a free-for-all. We're going to try Daylene on line two. Daylene, you're on Heart of the Matter. Oh, hi. Hey, Daylene. Daylene. Hi, John. This is Daylene. I met you in Murray Park. Let me turn my TV down. Uh, last oh, summer, uh, uh, this, I guess last August or so. Hey, Delene, hold on for a minute, okay? Yes. Lord, we forgot to pray, and I'm sorry. Uh, did I pray? No, you didn't pray yet. Okay, well, let's pray. So bless Delene and bless the rest of our callers and viewers. Uh, help our station tonight and help people who are searching for truth. And let us have a good open dialogue about these issues we're going to talk about. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Delene, go ahead. Okay, I had a question that I didn't get to ask you in person because I had so many questions. Uh, number one, um, I was going to have the, you were doing baptismals that day and I was going to do it. Um, being raised in LDS and not active since I was 12, um, wanting to do the X-Files thing that you've uh, 
a prime example of that. Perfect. I've got to get on and do that. Yeah. But anyhow, does your name have to be removed from the roster to be, um, uh, I want to be uh, baptized Christian, which I am now for the last two years. Not at all. And Because um, I feel like if I do that without it removed, I don't want to be in two churches. Not at all. Uh, you know, Mormon uh, baptism, if you feel like it's important to uh, write in and have your name removed from the church, I suggest you do it uh, simply because it creates more bureaucratic uh, work for them and they start to have to reflect upon why people are leaving. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. But okay. if it's not important to you, it doesn't matter. Their baptism... Hey, Go, go I'm ahead. Sorry, yeah, it's not important to me. I mean, what they've done to me, you know, the reason why that I have um, not a Mormon, L, you know, an LDS, because, you know, my parents drank, and I just went to church, and I was out it because of that, and was looking, seeking help, too, and was left all alone and left in the lurch. I, I kind of, part of me feels like, why should I go and have to remove, go through all that trouble to run to a church that, you know, I strongly disbelieve in? Does that make sense? It does. And then I have one more question. Yeah. It's, uh, say you're truly um, my mother. Uh, uh, my father was uh, deceased at a very young age, and she was uh, divorced from him. Do you believe in when you go to heaven, will she, even though they were divorced shortly before he, he passed on, will she, do you believe that you are reunited with that one true love, even though you were divorced here on earth? No, you know... All I know is what Jesus said, and that was in marriage, they are not married nor given in marriage. And so reunited by that one true love, I'm not sure that it happens that way. Uh, right. You know, I, 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 I have no idea except for what Jesus said. Now, that being said, uh, I would imagine that God has planned greater things than we could ever imagine for those who enter the kingdom of heaven. So I wait in faith and wait for him to fulfill whatever he wants to do with us because it will be the best plan regardless. I agree. Okay, and then one other question real quick. I'll make it fast because I know you're taking a lot um, on baptism. Um, I love my Christian church. Um, I finally found, you know, some spiritual and uh, and felt the Holy Spirit three times now. It's just, it's just the most fascinating thing. But anyhow, um, being... Um, the church that I'm going to wants me to write a testimonial as to why I feel like I want to become a baptized a Christian. Do you feel that's necessary as well? Well, I you have know, my own belief. You know, if that's what I want to. If you like the church that you're going to and you want to belong to that body, part of the body of Christ. It's a non-denominational. Yeah, if you like it, you want to belong there, and that's what yes. they ask you to do, then I would do it. But personally, I, I wouldn't do it. You know, I would be baptized uh, by my believing brother out in a river. I don't... That's, I, that's, that's where it's... See, I, the day I wanted you to do it, it just got too dark, and that's how I felt. I, w I don't feel like, in a way, I love my church so much, but then I feel like, do I have to explain to anybody? I think that's just between God and me. Absolutely. The me, right? Absol absolutely. Okay, I just I wanted to clarify that because I'm folding a little guilt there and thinking, am I doing the right thing or am I not doing the right thing? No, there's no there's no right thing when it comes to professing your faith in Christ and being baptized in His name. Okay, well, great. Well, thanks so much, Sean. It was good to talk to you. You too, Daylene. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. We're going to Zoe in Spanish Fork. She's a first-time caller. Zoe, you're on Heart of the Matter. Thank you. Zoe? Zoe? Yes? You're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, um, 
first I just want to say that I love you and I love your show. Thanks. And I watch you every week. And me and my son, um, my teenage son, watch you. And we've just learned so much. Um, we're born-again Christians from about um, three years ago. And we found a good church here in Spanish Fork, um, Faith Baptist Church. Awesome. And um, I just um, I just wanted to call and tell you that you've helped me a lot with, um, I help uh, girls in addiction. Oh, good. And um, a lot of, or most of them are coming out of Mormonism at the same time that they're trying to get sober. And so just the stuff that I've learned on your show has helped me a lot with that challenge. Well, thanks, Zoe. I appreciate that so much. And one more thing is that um, I also work in hospice care, and I've, I've led a few of my patients to the Lord before they die. Wow. And I, and I just want to tell you that there, there's these people that are like 90 years old that have been Mormon their whole entire life, and they still don't know if they're going to heaven, and it's just an honor and a privilege to help them to know for sure in the Bible. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you, Zoe. God bless you and your son. Okay, thanks. You too. Okay, bye. Bye. Quote by Brigham Young, God Almighty will give the U.S. a pill that will put them to death. I am prophet enough to prophesize the downfall of the government that has driven us out, end quote. I don't know, just wanted to throw that in there. It came up on the screen. Uh, listen, in this endeavor to reach the LDS, there's a constant tension between sharing the truth and being loving. Uh, Politicians often error and are, uh, they, they fail to share the full truth in order to be loved by more people. And then some Christian apologists are in error, uh, lacking love and sharing only truth, which is kind of a form of barbarism. And so no matter what the topic, we hope we've never uh, sacrificed either uh, sharing the complete truth or, or being loving along the same times. Now, I realize a, a lot of you don't believe that we're loving or that I'm loving in the approach, but uh, I want you to know the reason we do this, the reason we do everything that we're doing in the ministry is because we love the Lord and we love um, our neighbor, and you are our neighbor. And so we do the, the hard job of telling you the truth and not letting you get away with shenanigans and doing it sometimes harshly because sometimes the love is uh, sharing truth harshly, but it's all to get you to open your eyes and see it. That being said, uh, my good friend John Dellen, he has a paper out now, Causes and Costs of Mormon Faith Crisis for Immediate Release. This is a survey conducted by Mormon Stories, finds members losing faith for a myriad of doctrinal and historical reasons. And those who remain active experience significant hardship to family relationships and mental well-being. He goes on in the study and he describes who took the survey. And it seems like it's like 3,000 plus people. And he gives quotes of what people uh, said. And then he lists here statistically reasons why people lose faith in Mormonism, understand. And if you no longer believe in the LDS church is the true church and once did, which of the following were factors in your loss of belief? Number one, I lost faith in Joseph Smith. It's unfortunate that that, that is even put that way, that there was ever faith in a man. But the number one is they lost faith in Joseph Smith too. I studied church history and lost my belief. Number three, I ceased to believe in the church's doctrine and theology. Number four, I have lost faith in the Book of Mormon. 
And he, it goes on down, goes on down. Um, 39% said, I lost my faith in God. Um, this is the sadness. This is the tragedy of, of, of what happens when people leave Mormonism is that they had faith in Joseph Smith. They had faith in a religion, in its doctrines and theologies. They had faith in a book called the Book of Mormon. And when they discover the facts about it, they lose their faith in those things and then ultimately walk often from God. Our purpose here is always, 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 always to first primarily always get people to come to a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Then decide what you do with your Mormonism. Now, I realize this year we've done a lot of stuff about comparing and contrasting Mormonism, uh, uh, the Book of Mormon and its contents. We hope those facts will help you seek. But we try to always throw in a measure of, listen, go to the Lord. Seek Him for your, uh, for your answers. Go and establish a relationship with Him first and foremost. This is an amazing study by John Dellen at Mormon Stories. And I think you could probably go to their website. I don't have it with me here and look it up. But it's very revealing uh, about what is happening in Mormonism more and more and more. And we're going to talk about an article that talks about that in just a second. We're going to go to Chris and Layton on line one. Chris, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, how you doing? Good, how you doing? I just want to tell you, uh, God bless you guys. And I just want to encourage all the Christians out there this has opened up doors and uh, opened up conversations to share the gospel with LDS and other people, people that are even searching or looking for Jesus Christ. So, and I'm preaching to myself here, this opens up perfect doors to seek and save the lost and repent and put their faith in Jesus Christ, that he died for our sins. Praise God. And I just, and I just have a message from my granddaughter. Come here, right? Hurry, hurry. Thanks a lot, Sean, for everything you do. Here she is. Hold on. Thank you. Thank you. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. For dying for us. Dying for us. Because you love us so much. Because you love us so much. Say thanks, Sean. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Ryder. Yeah. Take care. Bye. Little grandpa, granddaughter moment there. <laughs> Here on Heart of the Matter. We try to supply you with all your television needs. Um, uh, listen, you know, he, he, he said a really important thing, and that was, you know, it gives us opportunity. And uh, more and more, you know, the Lord isn't going to help uh, Mormonism fall to its doctrinal knees until the churches and the Christians in the state and in the nation, even in the world, are prepared to assimilate them into the body. And so, you know, the body needs to be focused on the word. The body needs to be focused on true Christianity, not assimilating people into the body of Christ who don't belong there, but by sharing truth and love. And so, you know, it's incumbent upon you sitting there watching the show, wherever you might be, go to the Lord and say, hey, you know, I was challenged to get out there and try to share with people the truth. As these times get tougher and tougher and, and parties are bifurcated and split and they're joining forces and one world nation and I mean, just unbelievable things are going on. We're talking about apocalyptic type disasters that were looming, financial and, and, and all this stuff. We are sitting on the edge of it. Now's the time, you know, get up off your assets and go and share the message of Jesus with your neighbor and do it in truth and love. Okay, let's go to uh, Sarah and Oram. Sarah, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. How are you? I'm good, Sarah. How are you? I'm great. I'm honest. I can't get this TV to go down. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. it's down. Okay. All right. Um, 
Sean, I'm the one that emails you all the time to tell you I think you're a great guy. <laughs> but um, I just wanted to ask you a question. Yeah. Do you know of any organizations that you can find that are coming up around Christian organizations that are working to fight against uh, a certain un-Christian person that's running for office of presidency? Uh, I don't know of any. I don't really keep up on political things. When we talk about political things here, I'm usually just talking, excuse me, always talking generally about concepts like a Mormon, whoever he or she may be running for office. But in terms of politics, I'm really not well informed about what goes on in our, in our country because I frankly don't care. But that's just me. I'm not saying you have to be that way, but that's me. And I think we just, she just hung up on me. <laughs> okay, listen. Salt Lake Tribune, LDS Church is ready to confront history questions. Now, people are very excited about this article uh, by Peggy Fletcher Stack, who writes things in a somewhat balanced effort, but I believe she's in the pocket of the church, my opinion, because everything is always slanted towards them being really a good organization, and I just don't believe they are. But in any case, information on the internet scaring away some members, so faith plans to open up is the subtitle to this article. Now, this was all kind of uh, planted by church historian um, Marlon Jensen, and he, ar he already gave this discussion, uh, or th th this discussion was already had in Reuters, uh, and then a couple days later, I think, let me see here, yeah, a couple days later, the Salt Lake Tree picked it up and did more on the subject. So I believe that the L their LDS are not dumb, and I believe they are putting this stuff out there as a means to sort of confront what's going on with the Mormon church in America and in the world relative to the internet and the uh, information that's available. So it says, uh, an LDS student surfs the internet for a school assignment and discovers that Mormon founder Joseph Smith had multiple lives, wives, even marrying a 14-year-old. That's the opening paragraph. A returned LDS missionary preparing a Sunday school lesson comes across the website alleging that the Book of Mormon was plagiarized from a novel. That's the second paragraph. Well, both of those paragraphs are very viable because this is what the LDS church is facing. They're facing the fact that the internet has exposed almost all the history that the LDS church has not put out there. Unfortunately, uh, what is troubling about this article is they quote from the church historian and he says the church has made no effort to hide or obscure its history. That's what the historian says. You know, and that is just a flat out lie. The church has always tried to obscure, always tried to obscure its history. If you simply read their manuals, you do not read church history in its naked form. You read a revised version of church history because they have obscured it. Well, I guess now they're going to take a, a new tactic and they're going to start supposedly teaching true church history in some of their manuals so that their youth and their returned missionaries and young adults and stuff aren't shocked to death when they do, go to do research on the internet and find out, wow, I never knew this about the church, etc., etc. It's an excellent uh, article in terms of information, and it kind of points to where uh, we are headed with what's going on. However, that being said, I have to tell you this. Um, this is what they plan to do. They plan, uh, listen to this, 
It says, the Mormon uh, uh, historian Jensen said, quote, the church has a very progressive research and information division with tremendous public opinion surveyors, he said. Among other steps, it has hired an expert in search engine optimization to raise the profile of the church, the church of the church's own views in a web search. Let me tell you something. When we started Heart of the Matter and somebody asked to put clips of this show on YouTube, we didn't even know what it was, you would go and type Mormon. This was just six years ago. Mormon, polygamy, Joseph Smith. And on the first page, you might see a clip of ours from YouTube. Just like that, right there. You go today and you do the same thing. You won't even see a clip of Heart of the Matter anywhere now. And you'll see on the front page, you type in Jesus Christ, Mormons are the first ones in the articles. That's search engine optimization, you see. You talk about grace, a Mormon article will come up. Search engine optimization. What does that mean? It means this multi-billion dollar religious conglomerate worldwide has the money to be able to take Google and say when someone types in this word or that word or this word, these are the sites that will come up first. And every time they do it, the church pays a small little fee to make sure their sites come up first. That is how they are handling this. So they seem like in the, in the Salt Lake Trib article to be coming out, you know, and to saying we're going to start to really address what our church is all about. But in, in reality, they're not. They're just obfuscating the truth more and more and trying to keep it obscure by taking uh, domain over the search engines that are on the Internet. Uh, it's frankly uh, amazing. Okay, um, let's go to uh, Marsha in Ogden, Utah. Marsha, you're on Heart of the Matter. Well, good evening. Thank you so much for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, I want to preface my comments with the fact that I'm glad you opened up tonight as an open-ended sort of conversation type of thing because last week, I believe it was, and the Tuesday after Martin Luther King's birthday, yeah. I wanted to call in with, with regards to a couple things you said those days, yeah. those nights, but I didn't get in in time, obviously. Okay. Um. <laughs> When you said on Mark, uh, the, the program after Martin Luther King, when you came to Utah and you noticed that you woke up on that morning and you saw flags all over the neighborhood where you yeah. live, yeah, and you finally realized, or you came to find out, they were done by the scouts, and Mormons pay the scouts to bring their flags around. Right. Well, Normally that happens in the community that I live in. I live in a mobile home park, and it's an adult community. We live in the stake with scouts in the stake, uh -huh. but the, the ward that is comprised of the residents that are Mormons in this community, because it's adult community, don't have children, don't have scout program in there. So the scouts bring the flags from some other ward, Okay, and they always bring them around. That day, they didn't bring them around, and I waited all day long for them. And I don't think, in fact, I know it has nothing to do with the snow because I have a non-member, non-Mormon member, non member who is a black who, has, who pays the scouts to put them out in her community somewhere down south. And it really bothered me. I thought, that's a big sign of discrimination because they always put the flags out. Yeah, I would bet in the more metropolitan cities of Utah, the scouts probably delivered the flags. But in the maybe some of the more distant areas from the uh, Salt Lake Temple, you know, maybe in the uh, other areas, 
they are still clinging on to much of that doctrine that used to be around all the way up until 1978, and the prejudice resides. I mean, I was taught it. I guess if I was still LDS, I would still think, so what? They don't put it out on Martin Luther King Day. He was black. He was inferior in the pre-existence. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they did last year or not. I used to be Mormon, and when they came up with that policy, the changing, that all of a sudden God said, oops, I made a mistake and made the Mormon, uh, the blacks, got, they gave the blacks the priesthood and everything, but... I didn't remember what they did last year. I just wanted to bring that up because I was very upset, and I thought if I could, I'd get hold of the NAACP because they do it other holidays, and they charge, I thought it was on a holiday-by-holiday basis, but I was corrected. Anyway, they charge $30, I guess it's a year, Yeah. put those flags out. Then the other thing was last week. This is, um, somebody wanted to find out what the procedure was for getting their names off the church records. Yeah. And um, I had gone through this twice, two different ways, a similar way, but a different thing. The first time I wrote a letter to the um, state uh, bishop, the the, uh, presiding bishop in the state, that didn't work. Then Sandra Tanner says um, her recommendations are you don't go through a court, you write a letter to the presiding bishopric, of the church to have them take your name off the records because they don't care about the lower levels. It's the the, the big mucky mucks up in Salt Lake that would take your name off the records. Yeah. And I, to this date, don't think they took my name off the records because that's how they claim how many members they have. I don't think they take anybody's names off the records. I think you can request it and they'll say it's been done, but bottom line, yeah. you could probably go back and find your name on there as a, an excommunicated or a once uh, once a member, something that says you were once a member of the church. Well, the reason I am certain they haven't taken it off, when I moved out here, um, was uh, several years after I had taken it, um, asked them to take it off. Yeah. And I had, vi- I had uh, visitations by the home teachers once, and I kept getting cards and uh, Christmas cards from visiting teachers and i told them leave me alone yeah hey really appreciate the call my friend thank you for watching and for calling in well i have one more comment that i have that might be interesting to you and your viewers i i have a newsletter that i get from a a non-denominational pastor in salt lake yeah and then his december letter he said that um it's good to see the lord sending people from out of state to witness to the mormons yeah and evidently in the um Tribune around December, they reported that there are equal number of people leaving Mormonism in Utah now who were born and raised in the church as well as those who were converted to it. People are leaving it from all sides. Praise God. Uh, so that, Thank you. that would be um, beneficial to know. It very It is, Marcia. Thank you so much for calling and watching. God bless you. Thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. You know, and that just, it just, it kind of breaks my heart because, uh, you know, if you're going to choose between going to uh, not believing in God and to atheism or staying Mormon, stay Mormon. You know, and uh, some people disagree with that. They say because you can walk away and be bitter towards God, but God uses that bitterness to bring you to him. And that may be the case in some cases, but, you know, it just breaks my heart that so many people, they might be abandoning the church, but are they abandoning it for a true relationship with Christ? 
That's what matters. If you're not going to have a true relationship with Christ throughout your life by the time you were born and take your last breath, be whatever you want. You know, it doesn't matter. Be whatever you want. But, you know, as a Latter-day Saint, you were taught about a God. You were taught about a Jesus. You were taught that the Bible is there, at least. They carry it around with them. So don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Give Jesus a chance before you just walk away. That, that's what he wants, and you can have that relationship with him. That's the point of this whole thing, is to bring people to Christ. Okay, it kind of tying in with what Marcia just said, uh, a uh, Reverend O'Neill Dozier in the Worldwide Christian Center of Pompano Beach, Florida, uh, said something about the, Mormon the Book of Mormon talking about black people. And that is not true. Uh, and he said blacks are not going to vote for anyone in the Mormon faith because the Book of Mormon says the Negro skin is cursed, end quote. So that is not true. That, that reverend got his facts mixed up. Now, did Mormonism teach that the Negroes were cursed? Absolutely. Do we have quotes and all kinds of, all the way up into the 1970s saying that? Absolutely. But it doesn't say it in the Book of Mormon. Now, there's this guy named Scott Gordon, who's the founder of um, FAIR, and we've invited him to come on the show. And what is his response in the newspaper to kind of represent Mormonism for what it is? This is what he says to defend uh, Mormonism and this reverence claim uh, in the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon does not say that Negro skin is cursed, Gordon said. The Book of Mormon takes place on the American continent before any Europeans or Afro-Americans were here. It doesn't really have anything to do with blacks or Africans in any time period, let alone today. It is a very specific group of people in a ver very specific time and place. In fact, Gordon said, there is only one actual mention of blacks in the Book of Mormon, and he quotes this passage, and he denieth none that come unto him, black and white, bond and free, male and female. And he remembereth the heathen, and all are like unto God. That is how they spin this stuff, my friends. Scott Gordon hears that a, a reverend makes a statement that's a, a, a little bit falsely applied, and he comes out and he defends Mormonism by saying it's never been in the Book of Mormon about blacks, and it hasn't. But what about the Doctrine and Covenants? What about the Pearl of Great Price? What about the teachings of Brigham Young and everybody else and, the, and your prophets? What have you said about black skin? And then what does the Book of Mormon talk about skin color? Doesn't it say that skin colors will change as people become more righteous, that their skin will become lighter, Mr. Gordon? You're, you, you are such a spinning liar. You're a liar. And you get on there and you, act, you all you do is play words game. You're like a, an attorney trying to get a murderer off on some, on some little uh, technicality. I mean, why don't you speak the truth? And that's what you're getting called on. And that's why your members are leaving, uh, you know, historian Jensen. Why don't you wake up, go into Monson's office and say, listen, let's tell the truth. Let's speak the truth for once in our freaking history. Let's tell you what we're all about. If you want to belong, fine. If you don't, fine. Why doesn't somebody go and speak the truth? Gordon, you big phony. My goodness. Okay, uh, let's go to Keziah in Manti, Utah. Keziah, you're on Heart of the Matter. All right. You're on the air, Keziah. <laughs> hey, hey, I want to plug your book. Because you know why? I think that you, Sean Craney, through the gift of God, has been helping people come to know Christ, know the lies and the robbers and 
speed and sit at the head of Main Street, and that is exactly why the uh, Salt Lake Tribune today has all that good stuff in there about people getting their eyes open. Yeah. And, oh, hey, buddy, I just want to plug your book. That where uh, Mormonism meets biblical Christianity. Buddy, you've nailed it. Keziah, where do I send the check? Where do we send the check, Keziah? <laughs> hey, listen, uh, I had to laugh. The, the, the part where all these people have to pay all this tithing, you know? Yeah. Because Joseph Smith said that, uh, that uh, if, if they didn't pay their tithing, that when Christ comes, they was going to be... Uh, uh, Burned. Big crispy critters turned <laughs> up, and and then when you talk about how uh, how uh, truth of it is, is is Christ paid for all of our debts, including buying us, you know, from all that burden of bondage of having to uh, put out all that money to 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 gain favor with God. Absolutely. And you say, and, and it says nothing about uh, well, except for the Corinthians says. You know, God loves a cheerful giver, and that's a good thing. That is. And he says, and, and he says nothing about fire insurance. And I just love that. Hey, I, I laughed the thing hard. I had to come call that, share that joke with a lot of my friends. Isn't that funny? Anyway, sweetheart, listen, you're doing a great work, and, and I love your show. And you can sign me up for that X-Files, because, man, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready to... What a good time for me to remind you to go to xmormonfiles.tv and sign up. Keziah, go online and do that, will you? Okay, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it tonight. God bless my sister. Thank you. Bless your heart. Thanks. Bye-bye. Listen, uh, with deflections, uh, defection, excuse me, rising, the church has launched a program to staunch the losses. The head of the church, Thomas Monson, who is considered a living prophet, this is from the Reuters article, has called the campaign <laughs> The Rescue. It's so interesting because it coincides with his newest book, To the Rescue. And what it is is let's get out there and rescue people. Uh, that, and he's made this program of staunching the flow out his signature program. The effort includes new package of materials for, it says in this article, pastors, what they mean are bishops, and for teaching Mormon youth that, uh, to address some of the more sensitive aspects of church doctrine. Um, so they're, what they're doing, and the Deseret News, I guess, points this out too, is that the church is going on the training now of how teach uh, their young people how to deflect and defend these strange church doctrines. And in order to do that, they're going to have to introduce the reality that those doctrines have existed in the first place. So we are really seeing some uh, interesting things. Uh, that church historian said, not since the famous trouble spot in Mormon history, the 1837 failure of a church bank in Kirtland, Ohio, have so many left the church. That's from their church historian. You, we have never heard, ever heard, I've never heard of the church saying, we have never seen so many leave as now. So, you know, this is a time. 
This is a time to make war on the floor with the Lord. Pray for your LDS neighbors. Don't be timid. Share with them the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Reach out to them and let's see what the Lord is going to continue to do. You know, I was so adamantly against a Mormon of whoever it could be taking the office of the president. Maybe, as we, we did admit, uh, God knows a better way to expose Mormonism for what it is. So he certainly is at work. We're going to Bill in South Jordan, Utah. Bill, you're on Heart of the Matter. <laughs> Hi. Hey, you got to turn your TV down, Bill. Okay, I did. Okay. Can you hear me okay? Yes. All right. I, I've called in once before a long time ago, but it, it appeared to me, first of all, let me preface my uh, comments by saying that I voted for Obama, and I plan on voting for him again. Um, now, with that in mind, I'm wondering, do you, it, it appears to me that you, you don't vote? No. Okay. I, I, I have a problem with that because... I've always heard that you don't have a right to say things if you can't if you don't vote. If you vote, you have a right. And for you to rip apart like uh, Mitt Romney for president, who I oh, don't want to be president, I gotta but for stop you, to you. Rip I gotta stop you though. If, wait, wait, I gotta stop you. I have not ripped apart Mitt Romney for president. Not at all. I have not endorsed him. I have not de-endorsed him. Nothing. All I talk about is if a Mormon, whoever he or she may be, takes office. That's all I talk about. Not okay. a person. Okay, go ahead. Fair enough. Now, as as an American, when when I I, I despised George Bush, uh, the, the the younger one, I thought he was insane. But I still had respect enough. He was the president of the United States and treated him as such. Would you? Will you do the same if President or if Mitt Romney becomes president? No matter who is in office, I am commanded by the Bible to uh, be subject to king's rulers, whoever they are, and I will be. Absolutely. Okay. Well, and, and, and the last, I just want to say, I, I think, and this is by, I think that, that you should vote. Even even if you know that it's, it's not going to matter if you vote for Ron Paul, I still think that you should vote. You're an intelligent man. You've got a You've got a brain. I think you should use it and vote. Okay. Well, let me keep That's you. It. Let me keep you on the line just for one second, Bill, and give you a couple, right. give, give you a couple thoughts back. Okay. You got it. Okay. First and foremost, the populist vote means nothing. The electoral vote means everything in the nation. So you going and casting your vote and wearing red, white, and blue and feeling like you've done your duty means absolutely nothing as to who takes office. Okay. You realize that, don't you? Means nothing. Right. Means nothing. I agree, I agree, but then sometimes, I, but I agree with you. I've I, I, I felt that same thing before. Okay, well then, I mean, tell me, why am I going to vote? It doesn't mean anything. Well, yeah, you can say the populist vote in Utah. By the time, well, I grew up in California, by the time the, even the, uh, the polls don't even close before they announce the winner, and that's based all on the electorate. So I, I don't even care. But the second thing is this. I have a king who I answer to, and he is not on this world. And, and no matter what happens, I trust that it is in his hands. So I don't make this kingdom or any part of it part of my world. I don't care. If we go into something that leads to bondage of the country, I don't care. Because I know God is dealing with us in the way we need to be dealt with so that more people will come to him. In the Old Testament times, whenever the children of Israel got obstinate and sinful and all carried away with their materialism, they were put into bondage and they were put into trials because God loved them. 
See, politics is this whole thing to try to put a bandage over all these wounds and keep ourselves going. I am not for that at all. But see, I realize that most Christians are, and I give them that right, and I am grateful, but whoever is put in office, my duty is to support them as a believer. My, my whole purpose here, uh, Bill, is to totally and solely share Jesus. So there's my, there's my perspective. Okay? You answered it perfectly, and I thank you for that. I, you, you really did. All right, Bill. God bless you. I love you. You too. Thank take, you. Take care. Bye-bye. We are going to Bob in Provo, who is LDS. Bob, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hang on here. Gotta... Turn your TV down. I'm turning it off. By the way, the operators tell every caller, everyone, turn your TV down, but, but they wait. Just to let you know. Um, All right. You're on the air, Bob. Okay. I'm a, I'm a Mormon convert. Okay. And I've traveled all over the world, and I've attended Christian churches all over the world. Oh, good for you. And one is, I've even shaken hands with the Pope. You're uh, kidding me. Anyway, Pope Paul. Boy, did, did you, you ever hands? wash that hand? I, sh I shook hands with the Pope. Did you wash that hand? I shook hands with the Pope. Forget it. Keep going. I was at the Vatican, and I happened to be in the right place, and he went by, and I took hands with him. So what does that mean to you, Bob? Well, not, not a bit, because I wasn't a Catholic. But anyway, I've attended Christian churches all over the world, and one of the problems I have with Christian churches is, depending on the pastor, that's the kind of church I'm in. They can say they got a name, but uh, they're different. And so but I got a couple questions for you. So instead of instead of going to different restaurants with different flavors and approaches to food, you like McDonald's, which is the same everywhere you go. Is that what you're saying? Well, if I chose that one, then I know no matter where I go, I know what I'm going to go to. Okay, I understand. That's what you like. Okay, so go ahead. What's your question? Anyway, um, you guys believe in the church, in the Bible, excuse me. We guys do. Okay, well then, I don't understand... Matthew 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, speaks extremely strongly about things in a way that I'm confused at, because it says, judge ye not, lest ye be judged, and I hear a lot of judging going on. Okay, well, you, this, is, this is typical, Bob, of a Latter-day Saint. You read the English of the King James Version, and you think that is what is being said. But the Greek word used for judge that the King James translators put in there is condemn, Condemn. Okay, so I have never condemned, and that means, say, somebody is going to hell, and they have condemned them. They have caused them and said they are guilty. I have never said a Mormon is going to hell for being a Mormon. Never. Now, judge? you got to be kidding. We're supposed to judge. You've got to make decisions here. The whole Bible is about making decisions. You know, do you choose good or evil? I mean, that, so... Okay. So, okay. Bob, you got the wrong wrong thing there when you're reading it in your English translation, okay? Do I get to speak ever? You do now. Okay, well, another thing it says, by their fruits ye shall know them. Okay. Um, and, and one of the things, like I say, I've attended all these churches, and I watch you, you're one kind, I can go next door and see another pastor, and he'll be another kind. My wife's grandfather and uncle were Presbyterian ministers of note. Okay, when you're, and, what, uh, what's your point, Bob? I've heard them speak about the inside of the Presbyterian Church. And so, like I say, uh, but 
What am I going to do in the hereafter? No, 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 no. Let's stay on your topic of fruits, Bob. Bob, let's stay on your topic of fruits. You came and you're calling the show and you somehow believe that because you're LDS, you can say with kind of some pride by your fruits, they should know them as if Mormonism's fruits are superior to the fruits produced by the body of Christ. Is that the inference you intended to make? Well, have you ever been in a disaster? I asked you a question. I asked you a question. Is that the is that the intent of your comment? Well, what I'm saying is, well, what do I think? I uh, what am I going to do in the air after? I'm going to be running around singing and playing a harp. Okay, that's a completely separate thing. You think you're giving these one-liners like Bob Hope at a at a comedic convention here? Why don't we stick well, on one thing? Hey, no, 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 Bob, Bob, Bob Hope, Bob, Bob Hope, Bob, Bob, Bob. Let's stay on, Bob, let's stay on one topic, the fruits. No, let's stay on one topic, the fruits. No, okay, so Jesus, he comes along and he says, this is, these are the fruits, love. Those are the fruits, okay? Fruits of love in the spirit. Now listen, Mormonism, what have we gotten in terms of fruits? Well, we've got a, we've got a guy right now named Warren Jeffs running around. No, you don't. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. He's still running around. He, I have an article right here he just put in the newspaper talking, speaking for Jesus. We have polygamy still going on and so many lives destroyed by that. We have black people who couldn't be part of your church until 1978. Those are good fruits, aren't they? We have someone who says that Jesus is your elder brother and a spirit brother to Satan. That's a good fruit, isn't it? What are the fruits you're talking about, Bob? That you dress nice and keep your hair short? What are the fruits, Bob? South Americans see the kids that are going to school that never got a chance to go to school before. Oh, and Mormons are the ones, all five million of them who are active, who have educated. You know what the Catholics have done in terms of fruit? They blow you away. They take Mormonism like a gnat and flip you off the edge of the world. The Catholic Church has done more in terms of education, healthcare, universities than any other church. So in terms of good works, if that's what you're talking about, you're a little, you're a, you're a, you're a gnat, dude. You're a gnat. So now what are you going to say, Bob? Traveled around the world. Oh, God, I can't take his traveling around the world. I wish you would continue to travel around the world. Never stop. Just on a plane, constantly traveling around the world. All right. So uh, we got one minute left. We got Michael and Midway. I'm sorry we can't get to you. <clears throat> so many things going on uh, and not enough time. Listen, I really want to quickly say... There's a book called The Bondage Breaker by Neil T. Anderson, and uh, he gives prayers in that book to help break the bonds. In the Mormon temple, many people make covenants. He says here, Lord, I confess that I have participated in Mormonism. I know it was evil and offensive in your sight. Thank you for your forgiveness. I renounce any and all involvement with Mormonism, and I keep out any and all ground that the enemy gained in my life through this activity. In Jesus' name, amen. I would suggest that if you've gone through the LDS temple and you find yourself still battling in a tug of war with this faith and this religion, go to Jesus and offer a prayer similar to that. Ask him to take away all the effects of those covenants you made in that whited sepulcher that's full of dead, dried bones. Next week, we're going to pick it back up and we're going to harvest the Book of Mormonian. See you then. I'm on a ride, going nowhere, 
I am an existential cowboy on the wind And I won't be coming out, I'm going in This man's awake, a storm's arising The dawn's awaiting till the hunt